my greatest fear in life was um, waking up and going through the motions. <laughs> that was my greatest fear of like living an insignificant life and not accomplishing or not stepping into the greatness that God had called me to. Hey y'all and welcome. You're listening to the Cowgirl Confessions podcast. I'm your host, Dakota Dawn Johnson, small town cowgirl with Southern roots, blazing a trail as a Midwest ranch wife, mama, and businesswoman. The mission of Cowgirl Confessions is to share the wonderfully wild and Western life stories of cowgirls from all walks of life. We'll talk about the highs, the lows, and everything in between when it comes to navigating careers, cowboys, kids, and cattle. Legendary cowgirl Dell Evans said it best, Cowgirl is a pioneer spirit, a special brand of American courage. The cowgirl faces life head on, lives by her own lights, and makes no excuses. Cowgirls take stands, they speak up, they defend the things they hold dear. A cowgirl might be a rancher, a barrel racer, a bull rider, or an actress, but she's just as likely to be a checker at the local Winn-Dixie, a full-time mother, a banker, an attorney, or an astronaut. If you're into wet saddle blankets, talks with God, buckets full of laughter, and the life lessons learned in the process, kick off your boots and settle in. I pray these stories encourage, empower, and give you just the leg up you need. Here's to embracing the cowgirl state of mind, no matter how wild and western life may get along the way. Hi there, friends. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with us today here on the Cowgirl Confessions podcast. It's such a pleasure to have Sarah Neal of Muldrow, Oklahoma with us to share her story. Sarah is a business coach and beauty educator married to a cowboy and together they are raising some of the cutest kids I have ever seen. This episode is going to tug on your heartstrings and leave you with a smile. So make sure you have some tissues handy. Sarah, thank you for agreeing to share your story with us today, and I'm just really eager to learn more about you and your journey. Thanks for being with us. Hey, Dakota. Well, thank you so much for having me. I have just really been looking forward to this ever since you reached out, and um, I think that what you're doing is phenomenal, and um, you know, I love seeing your heart to, um, to share stories and just being a storyteller. I think that's such an amazing gift. I wish I had that gift, um, but um, you know, you have just made me feel so special from day one, and I love seeing you um, just celebrate and promote other women in the Western industry and just this way of life and how passionate you are about it. And um, I just, I just appreciate the opportunity. So I'm excited. Well, thank you for your kind words. It, we all need cheerleaders, and that's one thing I've realized through, you know, just the storytelling is that. Um, there's lots of cheerleaders out there and social media and this podcast just give us a way to, to, to connect, you know, on a different level. So um, I guess there, we'll just kind of get started. If you could just share with us kind of like where you're from and, and what life looks like for you currently. Sure. Yeah. So um, I'm originally from Claremore, Oklahoma, which is um, just a little town Northeast of Tulsa. And I came from a rodeo family. I was raised in a rodeo family. My grandpa is in the rodeo hall of fame. He was um, rodeoed in the PRCA. He was a bulldogger. He, um, he coached uh, rodeo 
um, at the college level. And um, so I just grew up around it. I grew up loving horses, riding horses. I grew up competing. I junior rodeoed for a really long time. And then um, eventually being, being from a family of six kids, uh, financially, it just wasn't feasible for my parents anymore. And so they made the decision to kind of uh, pull me back a little bit from that. And so I got into a less expensive sport, <laughs> um, which was basketball. And so that um, kind of replaced my passion for rodeo and gave me something, you know, to be passionate about. And I was able to go to college on a scholarship for that. But um, the love for rodeo and the Western way of life, um, you know, I just felt like it was bred into me and it's something that I've always loved, something I've always appreciated. And what's so funny is like growing up, even though, you know, after I kind of got out of it, a lot of people in my family still rodeo to this day, but uh, there was always something in my heart that kind of like just drew me back to it. I don't know if you guys um, remember, or um, I'm sure everyone knows who the pioneer woman is. Um, but somebody redrummed and somebody bought me her book and I was in college at the time and I remember reading it and just her story of how she fell in love with the cowboy. And I can remember being like, Lord, I got to put this book down because like my <laughs> heart, like there was something in my heart that stirred so much. I was like, why do I want this so bad for myself? Like, I just didn't like my grandma was always, she would always tell me, she's like, honey, just don't marry a cowboy. Don't marry a cowboy. Um, she's like, I don't know. I don't know if you want that life, even though she loved it. She knew how hard it was. And she knew, you know, she knew what a commitment uh, it was and different things like that. And so she would tease and things like that. But when I read that book, it was just weird how, you know, something just started in my spirit. And so, um, even though I never saw myself going back into that lifestyle, God had a different plan. I think that was kind of his way of just preparing my heart for, um, for the plans that he had for me, um, in the next season of life. And so, um, after, after college, um, I moved to, um, well, before college, I moved to Washington, DC. That's where I did my first internship, um, for a corporate PR firm there, my degrees in journalism and PR and being in that corporate setting. Um, I always kind of loved politics and I thought, you know, what a fun way to, you know, mix my career, um, with something that I really enjoy. And honestly, what I saw surprised me. So working at that corporate PR firm, I thought it's so weird because when you think like, oh, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. This is what I've gone to school for. And you like invest so much time and energy in it. And then you step into it. And all of a sudden you're around people who do what you want to do for a living or what you thought you wanted to do. Um, I was really left disappointed. Um, and there was just different values that I had in my life and different things. You know, I still wanted to get married and be a wife and have kids. And, you know, nobody was kind of living that life that was in a position that I would have been working to get. And so I really felt conflicted. I was like, oh, you know, why would I have all these, um, you know, passions in my heart and these desires and then get over here and then be like, wait a second, I don't think I want to do this. I don't think this is for me. And so I was really kind of like, I was just kind of in an in-between stage. And so I moved back home and I got another internship locally and then finished out my degree. And um, I moved overseas about six weeks after I graduated college. And I took a job um, in South Wales, uh, about three hours outside of London. And I loved it. I worked there for two years. 
Um, and it was a really great experience. And then when I came back from that, um, that's when probably about two years after that, that's when I met Chris. So um, if you want me to tell the story of how we met, though, that's kind of a good one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. And I'm just sitting here like mind blown kind of at so many things you said and the experiences you were already having at really such a young age. I mean, the fact that you went to Washington, D.C. and you got to see very early on, even though it puts you at a crossroads, kind of internally, you know, there's some of us that, you know, you can go half your life working to get in a position that you've always wanted and then realizing that, like, what a, what a God thing, what a blessing that you got to see that so early on to where you could, you could be working through those feelings like you just shared. Yeah, exactly. You know, it really was a gift from God. And even even working overseas, it was kind of like, you know, I feel like when you're young and you're in your 20s and you're deciding, you know, what am I going to do with my life? And you're trying to you're trying to just gather up, you know, what do I like? What do I enjoy? What am I good at? You know, you almost feel that pressure of like the decisions that I make today are going to impact my future. And if you're in that position, you're listening to that today, I just want you to have peace because I'm going to tell you what, like you, you're never going to have it all figured out. And I used to worry, like, I, I used to think like, oh my gosh, you know, like, why would I go do this here and then do something like find out that that's not really what I want. And then how do I, and then feel like, oh my gosh, I've wasted my time but exactly what you said, or maybe I got it wrong, you know, maybe I heard wrong, or maybe, you know, maybe I'm just so confused, but just like what you said, it really was a gift, um, being able to have that experience, and what's so great is all these experiences that I had that kind of felt like, almost like they didn't lead to anywhere, when I look back at my life, I can tell you every single one of those experiences was something that God used to prepare me for where I'm at right now, and even though, you know, in the time you just don't see it and it feels like, oh, this was for nothing or how much time did I waste or, you know, those type of things. Um, I think, I mean, the cliche thing is people say, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but the truth is, is that God has a plan and, you know, he says that our footsteps are ordained by him. And so even though I didn't know where those footsteps were leading, God knew. And every step I took out of faith and every step, you know, every prompt that I led, um, you know, that I followed through on. And when I was faithful to, you know, the things that he had put in front of me, it just, you know, it's so awesome how he just orchestrated all of it, you know, as preparation for what he was going to launch me into. And so, um, you know, I hope that encourages somebody because, um, you know, even in my times now, when I think sometimes like, oh my gosh, I don't have it figured out or what am I going to do next or something like that. I always can look back at those times in my life of, of all the things that God used, um, just to, to set me up for where he has me now. So. Absolutely. Reflection, being able to reflect, you know, and, and see so much, you know, in the rear view, um, can really help us going forward, you know, um, with that windshield view and, um, just thank you so much for sharing, you know, all those pieces um, of your story that that led up to to you eventually meeting um, your husband, Chris. So, yeah. yeah. So when um, the first time I met Chris, um, this would have been, oh, my gosh, almost 15 years ago now. 
Um, but the first time I met him was when I was in college and um, my aunt had messaged me. She was on the rodeo committee at the at one of the rodeos around here in Tahlequah. And she was like, hey, I'm in charge of, you know, the grand entry and somebody was supposed to be here to set pivots and she can't come. She's like, I need you to come. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, do you know how long since I rode a horse? Like, I don't even know if I can still do it anymore. But I was like, okay, like, all right, this will just be fun. So I grabbed my sister and we went to the rodeo and it was, you know, it was, it was a good time. And um, after the rodeo was over, my cousin was like, you know, hey, I'm going to introduce you to this, to this person or whatever. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, cause we like the rodeo was over. We didn't know what we we're going to do. It's a small town. There's nothing to do around there. And so we, he introduced me to this guy named Chris Neal. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, well, of course this was at a time in my life where I was definitely, I was, I was not, I was, kind of in church, but just occasionally. And I was kind of at a place in my life where I was, you know, trying to figure things out and, um, you know, wasn't really super firm or established in my faith. I really wasn't living that out. And um, so, and of course, Chris wasn't either, <laughs> but he won the rodeo that night. And my sister and I, we were like, what are we going to do? So we're like, we don't really, you know, we don't have anything to do. So we had our horse trailer there and, um, you know, we were just going to stay the night there because Tahlequah was, you know, almost two hours from home for us and he wanted to celebrate. And so literally we're just the last two horse trailers in the, um, in the parking lot is kind of how it ended up. <laughs> so we started hanging out and it was just me and my sister and him and, um, you know, we had too much to drink, but we were having, you know, we were just having ourselves a time. Well, we, um, we ran out of beer. And so we were like, Chris is like, let's go get more beer. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, okay. So, um, we get in his truck and I drove and we just went to the little gas station that was just right up the way. And I don't know how much I can tell of this, but hopefully I don't offend anybody. <laughs> but, you share whatever you um, want to share. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, he just, my sister and I had to go to the bathroom. So we went to the bathroom and um, it was after two o'clock in the morning. So in Oklahoma, they wouldn't sell us any, any beer. And so the next thing I know, Chris walks into the bathroom with a 30 pack underneath his arm that he had went around to the back storage and got um, in the gas station. <laughs> and me and my sister are like, oh my gosh. And he just cracks one open. He's like, here you go. And I'm like, okay, first of all, you're in the women's restroom. Second of all, where did you get that beer? And then <laughs> the next thing I know, the manager is beating on the bathroom door. And he is like, we, he's like, I saw you go in there with that. And he's like, I've already called the cops. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I cannot go to jail. Okay. So my sister and I, we were just like panicked. We run outside. So me and Chris are like, we're out of here. Okay. We are out of here. So I'm like, Chris, get in the truck, get in the truck. And so me and him run and we get in the truck. My sister, God love her. She's so honest and so good hearted. Like she could not, she did not want us to steal the beer. And so she was trying to pay for it. She had Chris's wallet. She was trying to pay for it. And the guy um, at the front, he's like, I've already called the cops. He's like, y'all are going to jail. And Jessica's like literally throwing money on the thing, like, just please take this. And so I ran in there and I'm like, Jessica, get in the car. Like, I'm not worried about paying for this, but I'm like, we're not going to jail. So she jumped in the truck 
and we drove back to the arena as fast as we could. And um, as soon as we pulled into the arena, here come the sirens. Um, and so I just saw police cars and I was like, oh my gosh, my life is over. Like my parents are going to kill me. Like I just started thinking of all the worst things, like who's going to bail me out of jail. And, um, so I just killed the engine and they, instead of pulling into the arena, they pulled into the, um, they pulled into the gas station and I was like, nobody move, like nobody say anything. And so we sat there for a minute until they left. And anyway, we got away with it. Um, but we went back to his horse trailer and, you know, he was just still, he was just on cloud nine. He was just still going to have a good time. He was going to party. He was going to celebrate. And I looked at my sister and I said, we are getting out of here. I said, this guy is trouble. Like, I don't care if he's got his name all up on the side of his horse trailer. I don't care who he is. I was like, this is, we're not, this ain't happening. And of course that was back in the day before, you know, Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So I did not get, we didn't even exchange numbers you know, we couldn't follow each other or anything. There was no social media. So anyway, that just ended up being this funny story that my sister and I told, you know, like, oh, remember that night we ran from the cops and, you know, all this other stuff. And so six years after that, obviously a lot had transpired. I had done my internships. I'd lived overseas. I'd graduated college. I'd done all those things we already talked about. And I was at a really good place in, in my life, just in my relationship with the Lord. And I was on staff at a church and, you know, I was just at a very surrendered place in my life. And what was so cool is, you know, every day when I went to work, um, I did some like media type of stuff for the church and um, I had an office there. And so every morning when I would go to the office, I would just be the only one there. And the things that impressed upon my heart that I was praying for was I wanted a career. I wanted a career opportunity because I knew I wasn't going to work at the church forever. Um, I wanted a husband. I was 27 at the time. And um, I also wanted a mentor. I wanted, like I had a desire in my heart to be in business. And I'd had a word over my life that I was going to be in business. Um, and I just was like, okay, Lord, these are the things you've put in my heart. This is what I'm going to pray over every day. And I just showed up to work and I just prayed over it and prayed over it, not really knowing how that would manifest or what that would look like. Um, and so one, one day, um, the Claremore rodeo, the Will Rogers rodeo Memorial, on Memorial day weekend, um, my sisters were like, let's go out. Um, you know, we're going to go to the rodeo just for kicks. And then we're going to go to the, we call it the Racino, which is like our casino, um, place where we live. Like we're going to go there afterward. And I was like, well, okay. You know, but I wasn't really into it. I was just kind of like, well, I don't have, really have anything else to do. So I'm going to go. And so I didn't go to the rodeo, but I went to the, I met him up at the casino afterwards. And um, Chris had won the rodeo that night. And um, he was supposed to meet up with some friends in Tulsa and that didn't work out. So he was headed back to Muldrow. And on his way back to Muldrow, he sees the Racino over on the left. And there's cars out there, you know, it's just, you know, not really popping, but like, he's like, I'm, you know, he's like, I just won. I'm going to go in here and, you know, have a drink or celebrate or whatever. I'm going to see what's going on. He didn't want to just go home. And so he pulls in there and he walks into that uh, casino and I was kind of over on the dance floor area, but I was just, he said, I was sitting on top of the table and I was just sitting there hanging out. My sisters and everybody was all dancing and I was just sitting there by myself. And he said, I saw you and I just walked right over to you. Um, he said, I just knew I was going to, you know, buy you a drink. He said, if I could, if I could have picked one person out of that room, it was you. And um, so he came over to me 
and he asked me if I, he could buy me a drink. And I'm telling you, I would have never picked him out of the room. I, I would have never recognized his face, but I recognized his voice. And I said, you don't, I said, I said, what's your name? And he said, Chris Neal. And I said, I thought so. I said, you don't remember me, do you? And he said, no, I don't. And I could tell he got real nervous. And I said, well, let me remind you. And so I told him about that, that night I reminded him and he goes, oh my God, that was you and your sister. And I said, yes. And he was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, he just went to apologize and I was like, no, it's, it's all good. You know, but I just kind of had him pegged in the beginning, um, you know, of, of who he was and what he was about. And so anyway, we just kind of had a good time that night and reconnected. And for whatever reason, I did give him my phone number that night. Um, but with no intention of following through or anything like that. And um, if, if anybody listening to this knows my husband, they know that he is the most persistent person on the planet. And he knows how to get what he wants. That's why he's so good in business. <laughs> but he's so persistent. And so after that night, you know, he would call me and I was just like, you know, I was just, like I said, in such a good place in my relationship with the Lord, where I was just like, God, you know, this is the last thing I need is some little cowboy Casanova trying to call me and take me out to dinner and blah, like, this is not what I'm about, like at all. Like I want a man of God. I want, I know exactly what I want. I know who I want. You know, I'm like, I got the highest standards and he don't even come close to touching them. And so I just, you know, I just kept kind of before the Lord, but I kind of wrote it off. Like, this is not going to go anywhere. It's not that big of a deal, you know, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, he, but he was so persistent and he kept calling me and he kept calling me and kept calling me. And so I was like, Oh my gosh. And so finally he was going to be in my area and he's like, can I just take you out to dinner? And I was like, sure. So I agreed to go out with him. It was on a Tuesday night and we went and shot pool somewhere and we ate dinner. There was nothing to do. And so, um, but we just had the best time. Like we, we laughed, we like, I can't even describe it. It was like, it was like a night out with my best friend and it was the weirdest thing. But he said in his mind, he said, I knew from that Tuesday night, um, he said, I knew that I was going to marry you. And of course I did not know that early. <laughs> I was not convinced. But um, he, uh, he just was, he, he pursued me very hardcore. And, you know, we kind of kept talking and kept talking. And it got to the point where I was like, you know, I could tell he was really serious and he was all about it. And my heart was just like, God, you know, I don't know, like, how could this be what you have for me? This is not what I pictured, you know, different things like that. But I just, I was like, Lord, you know, if I'm not going to make a move unless you confirm this for me, or unless, you know, unless I feel like this is truly the direction that you're leading me. And so I'll never forget, we were in his horse trailer one time after a rodeo and he was like, I wish you would just give me a chance. Just give me. And I said, look, I have to be honest with you. I said this, I know exactly what I want in a man. I've waited a really long time. I'm not settling. And I just kind of laid down the law and I said, look, this is what I want. You know, I need a man who is in, you know, going to church. I need a man who loves God more than he loves me, who pursues him first. I want a man who tithes, you know, I'm like, listen off all these things that I'm sure he like made him want to throw up at the time. Um, but I said, this is, you know, this is what I want. And he just looked at me and he said, will you give me a chance to be that for you? And, oh, it makes me emotional talking about it. Mm, yeah. But I'm like teary out over here too. 
in that moment, yeah, I said, I said, okay, I'll give you a chance. And, um, you know, honestly, from that day, he never disappointed me. Um, you know, he really stepped up and, you know, the way he tells it, he said, I'm telling you, he said, there's, there's only one girl out there for every man that would make a man change. And he said, you were that person for me. And he said, I knew it. He said, I knew I couldn't let you go. And so that was kind of the beginning of our journey. And, um, you know, we were engaged within six months and married within a year. And we moved here to Muldrow and, um, you know, we had our little single wide house trailer that he had lived in for probably 15 years before he met me. Um, so I really just moved from one house trailer to another. His house trailer was a lot nicer than mine. So um, we moved here and started our life with almost nothing. I had my brand new baby business and he had his and his was, you know, he had been working on his business for about, I think about 10 years when I came along. And so it was still in its kind of beginning stages, but, um, you know, together we just made a commitment that we wanted to honor the Lord with our money and with our businesses. And so, um, you know, Chris started tithing for the first time in his life. And, um, that was huge. That was huge for his business. Um, and, uh, for what, um, you know, the favor that we saw God pour out on him after making that decision, and um, we just kind of committed it to the Lord. We did the whole Dave Ramsey thing. And we said, you know, we wrote down all of our debt, six figures worth of debt. And we wrote it all down on a piece of paper and we taped it to the wall in our little house trailer. And we said, we're going to do this. You know, we're going to be faithful and we're going to live on a budget and we're going to save our money and we're going to pay off our debt. And we are going to save up a down payment to build, you know, the, the home of our dreams. And so and so that's what we did. And it took us a little over five years to do that. Um, and a lot kind of happened along the way. I don't know how much you want me to share, um, but uh, do you want me to share a little bit about our kids and kind of that journey? Yeah, yeah, I would love that. And before you do, I just want to say like, um, totally, my husband and I, we did the Dave Ramsey um, course through our church right before we got married. And uh -huh. it was um, I know what it's like too to write down and you got six figures on that sheet and then you just go to hammering oh, it out, um, you know, and yeah. lots of hard conversations have to happen and you just kind of have to get gritty when you decide what, what you're going to focus on and budgeting. And um, it, it's just like really refreshing to hear that, that part of your story too, that that's so relatable. I feel like not just to myself, but a lot of the listeners that, you know, finances are a, are they're a big deal um, and just not so much in what you owe but then also making the choice to say okay God you know I'm I'm gonna tithe and I'm, I'm gonna um, you know turn this over to you and and it's uh, be a good steward of what you bless me with and so um yeah I just I enjoyed hearing that part um, all of your story is so just so interesting so yeah just keep going and sharing with us Sarah yeah well and I love that word that you use stewardship because you know, that really is the biggest, such a big piece of the puzzle, whether it's your month, your, your income or your time or your talents that God has given you, like we're responsible for, for stewarding all of those things in a way that honors, you know, God and his, the call that he puts on our lives. And, and what's so cool is that when you really do make that commitment, like, oh my gosh, like you, you will see God show up. That's why you know, I'm so passionate about 
about tithing and about, you know, just living financially fit because growing up, you know, I saw my parents tithe, um, but my, my dad was an entrepreneur and building a business. So it wasn't until I was already out of the house that they really saw a major increase in their income and their business and stuff like that. So growing up, you know, my parents were brand new baby believers, um, but we didn't have a lot, you know what I mean? Like we, we kind of lived, we lived paycheck to paycheck and, um, you know, there was a lot of things we couldn't afford and there was a lot of sacrifices that my parents made. And so I had a kind of had a scarcity mentality about money when I came into our marriage. Um, but it was just really cool to see, um, you know, how our commitment as a couple, how God honored that. And, you know, so I really would encourage, you know, people like there's no, there is, there is so much freedom in living debt free and it is not easy to get there, but my gosh, it's worth it. It's so worth it. So, um, I'm glad you said that. Um, a little bit about our kids. So um, I think it was a year into our marriage, um, almost two years. Chris had just won. Um, he just won the Great Lakes Circuit. And that was really exciting. That was in 2013. And, um, you know, he was he had the best year of his of his rodeo career the year that we got married. And so our first year was just like it was so magical. It was like this dream life that, you know, I felt like I was living and I loved being I love that God had brought, um, you know, had brought that um, part of my past back into my life, really, and that I, you know, had a reason to be back into the just to the Western culture and, um, you know, and it was fun and I enjoyed it and we traveled all the time and we just, you know, when, whenever he wanted to rodeo, that's why I loved my job is because it was so flexible and I could work, you know, pretty much anywhere I got to go with him. And so we just traveled the United States and went from rodeo to rodeo and had nothing tying us down. And, you know, we were living the life and it was, it was so much fun. And, um, that next year we decided that we wanted to, um, to start our family. And so I got pregnant and I found out that summer and I waited and I waited like almost three weeks before I told Chris, because I wanted to surprise him on father's day. And, um, it was so fun. It was on a Sunday and we got, um, you know, we got up, we got dressed and ready for church that day. And him and I, we kind of had this fun thing between us where um, we love fortune cookies. And so we always like open our fortune cookies together and it always like never fails. It's always like uh, almost feels like a word from the Lord or just like something that's so relevant to where we're at. And so we've always loved fortune cookies. That's just something we've kind of done together. So I had these special fortune cookies made. And um, so I, I had actually lied to Chris because, you know, I was... Uh, I wasn't not trying to get pregnant, but at the same time, like we were tracking it, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I was like late for my period and all this different stuff. And I told him, I was like, man, I'm late. And he's like, well, you know, have you taken a test, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, when I found out I was seven days late and I was driving back home to meet him. And I was like, I like, I'm, I just have to know. So I pulled into a Walgreens and I took a pregnancy test in the bathroom of the Walgreens and it was positive. And I was like, oh my gosh, like my heart just like filled with so much joy. So I was so excited, but I couldn't wait to tell him, but I'm like, no. So I just got this whole plan together. I'm going to tell him on father's day. So it was the hardest thing ever to keep that secret to myself for three weeks. But I had these special fortune cookies made that said, so I lied to him and I told him, I was like, nope, I started. It's all good. You know? And I just told a little fib, um, but on the inside of the fortune cookie, it said, I lied about my period. Happy father's day. 
And so I gave that to him um, that uh, Sunday morning before we went to church and I videoed it and it's one of the most precious videos, but um, he was really excited. I think at first he was really scared. And then once he started being able to tell people, like he got so excited to tell his mom and to tell his sister. And, um, you know, he went from being really scared to really proud all in the same day. And so it was just a fun memory that we had together. And, um, so I had a great, uh, a great pregnancy and, um, you know, it was, it was just everything that you think, you know, we did all the pictures and we did, you know, the baby announcement and we did, um, we met, planned this big, huge gender reveal and like put it out on Facebook for every, I mean, like literally thousands of people watched it. People were just celebrating with us and it was just, it just felt like the next step in this like storybook life that we were building together. And so we were obviously elated. We were so happy. We picked out his name. His name was um, Cross. And um, 35, um, almost 36 weeks into my pregnancy, I had went for a checkup, just a regular checkup, and everything was just wonderful. We heard his heartbeat, um, and I had a super healthy pregnancy. And then um, the next day, I woke up, and he had not been moving. And so I was just like, oh my gosh, babe, like something's wrong. So um, anyway, long story short, we went to the hospital and he had in fact um, already passed away. There was no heartbeat. And um, I just remember the Sunday before that we had started going to a new church and the message was titled when God doesn't make sense. And I remember sitting in this brand new church. It was our first time ever there and listening to that message and it was all about you know when things happen in our lives that are disappointing or that you know you ask like like you know why do bad things happen to good people why do we suffer why does god you know allow things to happen to us that are tragic or heartbreaking or you know and how do we deal with that from a spiritual place and from an emotional place and it was just such a profound message and i just remember sitting there thinking like god i cannot wait to share this with somebody like i cannot wait you know, the next time that I know when somebody has tragedy or loss or whatever, like I'm just, it was kind of one of those messages you just like put in your back pocket. Cause you know, like I'm going to pull this back out when it's needed. And, um, sure enough. And part of the message was being able to say, you know, like I still trust the Lord, like essentially no matter what happens, you know, believing that God is good. Um, even when your circumstances are and that he's sovereign and that he loves us. And that no matter what, we can trust him. And so um, what I didn't know was that message was God's way of preparing my heart for what Chris and I were about to walk through. And um, so when they looked at me and the doctor, just she had tears in her eyes and she said, Sarah, and I said, how sure are you? And she said, 100%. And I looked over at Chris and I said, I still trust God. It was the first words out of my mouth. And it was like, I had... I almost had to hear myself say that to know that I was going to be able to survive what we were about to walk through. And that was on Christmas Eve. And so, or the day before Christmas Eve. And so I delivered him the next day, still born on Christmas Eve. And, um, you know, obviously it was the worst day of our lives. And, um, you know, we were blessed to have our family and friends there. But I'll never forget that feeling of, you know, before I delivered, looking over to my left and you see 
you know, I'd never had a baby before, but, you know, I'd done the birthing classes. I had put so much preparation. I'd put so much energy into it. Like my hopes were so like, I had no fear of what was going to happen or that something bad was going to happen. And then it was just like the whole, you know, the rug was like pulled out from under us. And so nothing, nothing about that experience was what I had prepared myself for. And so I remember looking over at the, the empty, um, carrier next to me where you know they put the baby after they're delivered and where they you know wipe them down and clean them up and you know all that kind of stuff weigh them take their fingerprints all that I just remember looking over there and being like you know like I don't get that you know like my baby doesn't get that like I, I didn't know what they were going to do with them like I didn't know what that process was going to look like it was very um it was very emotional and it was very you know just kind of like a hectic feeling but I just remember looking over there and, you know, realizing that everything that I had expected and planned for this was, I wasn't going to get to have any of it. It was all going to be different. It was all going to be worse. And, um, you know, having to leave the hospital without my baby and come, you know, having to come home, I just, I dreaded it. I dreaded walking through the front doors of our house where his nursery was painted, where his crib was, you know, where all of his clothes were put away. And, I just dreaded that feeling of what that was going to feel like. But at the same time, like I knew that I was anchored in the Lord, but at the same time, I did not know how I was going to survive or what, you know, what that process was going to look like. And so I'm so thankful, um, you know, that Chris was there to walk with me, um, you know, through that. And he was extremely supportive and, um, you know, I remember him and I just a few days after it had happened, looking out the window at our, um, you know, at, at our, the back part of our property out of our little house trailer and, you know, him just saying like, Sarah, we have to keep living. Like we can't stop living our lives. And I said, you know, I don't want to stop living. Like I want, I, I still want to live. I still want to have hope for the future. I still want you know, but in your pain, it's, it's hard to sometimes just get stuck there. And so it really was a journey of us, um, you know, just figuring that out. And, um, you know, luckily four months after that happened, I was blessed enough to get pregnant with Savvy. And so it kind of happened really fast. Um, obviously we were still grieving when that happened. Um, but you know, she was just an absolute gift from God and Chris in that season of his life, laid down everything for me. And, you know, I, I thank God for that all the time because, you know, when the, when the word talks about, you know, that a man would lay down his life for his, um, for his wife, a husband would lay down his life for his wife. It doesn't necessarily mean just take a bullet for them, you know, which we know they would, but it basically means to live sacrificially for them, you know, to lay down, you know, what matters to them. And, you know, rodeo was his life. It was everything to him. And he never missed a doctor's appointment to this day. I've never taken my children to the doctor by themselves. He's, he has been with me every step. He came to every doctor's appointment, every, anything that, you know, I could possibly need or want. He just made himself a hundred percent available. I really struggled being alone and being at the house by myself and so he basically just took a step back from all of that and, um, you know, just, just was there for me, you know, just that support. And, um, I know that that was not easy for him. That was a really hard decision. 
Um, I know it had to be, but I just, I thank God, um, you know, for, for giving me that gift and for us, you know, being able to have that part of our story, but for him to be, to be so strong, to be what I needed in that season of life. And, you know, so he kind of, when he stepped away from his rodeo career, um, he obviously was like, I really need to step it up a notch in my business, you know, to provide for my family. And so him stepping away from that and retiring from competing, um, really allowed him to put his energy and his focus into, into building, um, his production company. And so that's what we've done, you know, as a family simultaneously building mine. And since then, you know, we've had our daughter, Savvy, who just turned four and our son, Steele, who is a year old now. And, um, you know, it's just been so amazing to see because one of the prayers I prayed early on, um, you know, during our times of loss, I was like, God, don't waste my pain. Please don't waste my pain. Like if you're going to allow me to walk through something this hard and this awful, like I want there to be purpose in it. And, um, you know, it's been so amazing to see how God has used Cross's death to bless other people and to give, um, you know, to give me a platform to minister to other people and to talk about, you know, loss and about, um, you know, just about that pain and those different things and grief. Um, and to be able to walk through that process with other people and the whole time, you know, pointing to the Lord and, you know, one thing that people always ask me, you know, like, do you think that God caused your son to die? And I said, no, you know, I don't believe that God, you know, causes anything, you know, tragic like that, but did he allow it? Yes, he did allow it. Um, you know, I remember thinking when I was pregnant and when I was about to deliver, like, God, you could still do a miracle if you really wanted to, like my son, I could deliver my son and he could start breathing because I know that you, you know, you can raise people from the dead. Nothing is too big for you. But in my heart, I knew that that I knew that he wasn't going to, I knew that he was allowing me to walk through something. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, because I trust God and because I trust his sovereignty, I was not happy about it. It's not what I would have chosen for myself, obviously, but I've learned that if he allows us to walk through something that he will not, he will, that it's not for nothing, that he will bring beauty from ashes, just like his word promises, that he'll be strength in our time of despair. Um, and during that whole process, I clung to the Lord and I, um, in a way that I never had felt like I needed him that much in my entire life. And even though I couldn't always pray, even though I couldn't always worship, even though, you know, my heart was broken and sad, it was like, I never, I never, I don't want to say never questioned him, but I never turned away from him. He was like closer to me in that season than I, than I can even put into words. And so it was such a gift being able to walk through that um, at, when it's all said and done. And I know that sounds weird of like, how could you say that that's a gift of, you know, walking through that, losing your son, but just to see what God has done in my family through it. And, um, you know, in, in the platform that he's given me and just the message of, you know, cross his life and, um, different things like that. Um, it really has been a gift in so many ways. And so, you know, I always try to encourage people that are walking through, you know, hard stuff of like, you know, just pray that prayer. God will not let your pain go to waste. Like 
he he truly does work all things according um you know for our good according to those who are called to his purposes and you know he his promises are true and his word is firm and we can stand on it even when everything else is shattering um, and we don't have to understand it. We don't have to agree with it, but you know, that doesn't change who he is and it doesn't change, you know, that he is a good father. So, um, I've learned so much through that process and, um, the season that we're in right now is really, it's fun, but it's also, um, uh, I've learned so much just in the last two years, like you and I were talking about of just being a mom working from home with little ones and having a husband who's running this business and um, running my own personal business and really trying to navigate all those areas. And so God's just really given me a passion in my heart for kind of sharing with other women what that looks like, because I know that I'm called to business, but before that I'm called to God and I'm, I'm called to be um, a wife to my husband and a mother to my children. And that's the most important titles in my life. And so I think as, as women, if we choose to be in business or we choose to have careers, um, you know, outside of just our family, it sometimes can just feel like, you know, this chaotic balance of how do I figure it out and where do I put my time and what does this look like? And, you know, how do we live um, how do we work and live and honor the priorities of, you know, what God has put in our hearts and the call that he has put on our life. And I feel like so many women today do feel called to something just outside of the home, just outside of, you know, being a wife and a mom. Um, and sometimes it's because we need the income and sometimes it's just, you know, it's just what God has designed us to do. You know, he's designed us for something. He's created us for more. And, um, you know, so sometimes walking that out can be really, tough and confusing. And like I said, chaotic with kids. Um, but I really have learned so much. And that's something that, you know, just as you and I talked about, would love to um, come back and just kind of share with your followers, just some real meat and potatoes as far as running a successful business um, with honoring the priorities of, you know, what God has called us to within our four walls as well. Oh, Sarah, I feel like, I mean, girl, I, we just went to church. I mean, that's what just happened on this podcast. I mean, we, we just all went to church and, um, my, my shirt's wet and, um, good thing I had on waterproof mascara. Cause, um, you know, your, your story, oh, it, it, uh, you know, it touched my heart and I warned everybody, I knew it was coming that they better have some tissues close. Um, but it, it also, you know, um, you know, just makes me smile. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting super emotional too. Um, but it's, you just have such an amazing story and I'm just so thankful that you're choosing to to share it like you said not um not let it go unused um okay I'm gonna try to get it together now so we can um <laughs> get uh you know not get to the next part but um I, I do before we finish today because we're gonna have another episode um like we talked about where you're really gonna dive into um business strategies and and how to you know, navigate, you know, having small children and building your business and what's really working for you. And I'm, I'm so excited um, to learn from you and be able to share that with, with the listeners. Um, but you've mentioned, you know, Chris is in the production um, side of things um, in the Western industry, super well-respected and has put on some amazing events there. And I have no doubt that, you know, you've, you've helped in different roles you know, make all that come together, but you've mentioned your business a few times. So can you share with the listeners, um, just give them a little snippet of your business, what you do through it and, um, 
then we'll we'll fill them in a little bit more on how you make it all work on the next episode. Yeah, so um, I work for a skincare and cosmetic company out of Dallas um, that is in almost 40 different countries now, but that is kind of our home base. Um, I'm sure lots of your listeners have probably heard of it. Um, it's Mary Kay Cosmetics. Um, and what's so crazy is that when Chris and I met on our very first date, he was like, you need to talk to my sister. Cause his sister is like in the top. Um, she's like the position that she holds within our company is there's only, there's less than 200 people in all of the United States who hold this position. So she's like a really big deal. And he just was like, I really feel like you need to talk to her. And I put it off and I put it off. And when he told me what she did, I was like, oh, like, isn't that kind of like for old ladies? And I was like, you know, I just, that's, I didn't go to school for five years to sell lipstick. Like, I can't think of a more superficial job (laughs) than, you know, selling lipstick. And so I was really kind of turned my nose up about it, but just like God does, you know, when I told you I would go to work every day and I was praying for a career, a husband and a mentor, God delivered all three of those things to me on the same day when he brought Chris into my life. And so he brought me the husband, he brought me the business opportunity and he brought me the mentor, which was his sister, Crystal Warner. And, um, it was amazing, you know, to be a part. Um, the thing I loved most about the company, I never even tried the products before I started, but, um, the fact that their, their, um, priorities were God first, family, second career, third, and that they, um, the whole company operated on the golden rule. And so I, those, the values of what they stood for really resonated with me and who I was and what I wanted to do in the world. And so even though I never thought that skincare and makeup would be the vehicle, um, God has used this business opportunity to give me um, the opportunity to lead other women. And um, that is what I'm truly passionate about is helping women to um, just really unleash and unlock the potential and the things that God has created them for. My greatest fear in life was um, waking up and going through the motions. That was my greatest fear of like living an insignificant life and not accomplishing or not stepping into the greatness that God had called me to. And, um, I see it in women all the time. And I see when they lose hope and I see, you know, those dreams that they had in their heart or the things that they want to be able to do for their families. And they just don't know how to get there. And, um, this business opportunity has really created an avenue for me to mentor and to coach women in business so they can, um, you know, change their financial situation so they can grow their self-confidence so they can really discover and tap into the gifts that God just hardwired into them, um, you know, for the purpose of serving other people. And that's what our gifts and our talents and our passions are all about. When you think of, you know, what is my purpose? What on earth, what was I put on this earth to do? It will always answer the question of, you know, how do I serve others? And that's where you find your passion. And that's where you find your purpose. Um, It will always be for the sake of serving other people. And, um, you know, because that's, there's nothing more fulfilling. There's nothing that will trip your trigger more than, um, you know, ministering to people and doing for others and using what God has given you. Um, you know, in that capacity to whatever he's called you. And so that's really what I'm passionate about. That's what I get to do in my business. Um, I've got a few other things in the work um, that my sisters and I have been working on. We really have a heart for um, 
uh, to do some business things together. And so that's why I just love what you're doing. I love the fact that you're encouraging people and you're living by example of like, you know, you stepping out and saying, hey, I'm going to do this. And the ideas that you have and the vision and um, just your execution on it is really inspiring. You've inspired me. So um, thank you for that. Oh, well, thank you so much, Sarah. And I'm, I'm just excited about, um, you know, having our, our next episode too, where you can share, like you said, the meat and potatoes behind, um, you know, your business and how it's working in the lives of others. And um, just so enjoyed, you know, getting to learn from you today and, and hear more of your story. And, you know, we laughed together, we cried together. And, and that's what um, it's, it's so good. It's so, so good. Um, so can you tell everybody, Sarah, where they can go to find you, um, and just follow along? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at, um, at the Sarah Neal with two underscores, um, and on Facebook, just Sarah Neal. Um, and that's, that's pretty much where I am uh, virtually um, on those two platforms, mostly just with my business and with our family. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where you'll find me and my kiddos. That's what you'll probably see the most of on there. Oh, they're so cute. Um, and yeah, I'll definitely put this in the show notes um, along with the website where you guys can go to check out, um, you know, the rising stars roping that, um, you know, her husband yes. Chris puts on and, and there's some other great events that he has started as well outside of the rising stars, but I'll put all that in the show notes and you guys stay tuned because we're going to have a second episode um, where Sarah, you know, shares so many tips and strategies about how, um, you know, just really to get to the meat and potatoes of your business and um, honoring God and your family while doing it. So Sarah, thank you again for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you, Dakota. It was an honor. I had so much fun. Thank you for spending your time with me on the Cowgirl Confessions podcast. I'm so glad y'all stopped by. If you could take a moment to share this episode and tag us on social media, I'd be happier than a cowgirl in a sea of buy one, get one vintage turquoise. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. New episodes will be released bi-monthly. Please leave us a review if you feel so led by going to iTunes. Your feedback will really help us breed the idea of grabbing life by the horns with a cowgirl state of mind into women across the globe. Some that may have never even had the privilege to throw their leg over a horse, but could most certainly use the cowgirl state of mind while navigating life. Thanks again, y'all. Until next time, keep pursuing your dreams with that all go and no woe mentality. Remember, you're writing a story that's worth saddling up for, sister. Sister.